Welcome back to Diversity Secrets. This is Louise Moulier, your host. This episode marks the end of season two. We'll be back with new episodes after the summer break, but we wanted to go over what we've learned this season and give you a sneak preview of what you can expect from our next one. This season was powered by Mixity.co. If you're in need of a 360-degree assessment of your diversity and inclusion, make sure to check out the link in the show notes. So let's wrap this up. This season, we had one overarching question. Why should companies even care about DEI? In other words, what's the business case for diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace? And to gather some answers, we were lucky to have yet another great lineup of speakers coming from the business sector, but also from the nonprofit and academic sectors, which made for a great diversity of opinion when we asked our questions. And here's three key takeaways we got. One, the business case isn't as straightforward as we've been led to believe. Two, a strong business case won't convince everyone in the company. Three, a business case doesn't set you up for success. Let's go over that in a bit more detail. For years now, we've been told that diversity and inclusion are quote-unquote good for business. The well-known McKinsey & Co. 2015 Why Diversity Matters report and its subsequent editions made this a widespread knowledge. According to their research, more diverse and inclusive organizations financially outperform their peers by 35%. Other studies from private and public organizations published these last few years show high ROI, or returns on inclusion. DEI means better brand image and reputation, stronger talent attraction and retention, more creative and innovative teams, and the list goes on. I started working on DEI about three years ago, and as a beginner, I started with a simple Google search on diversity and inclusion. The first thing you find are these studies about just how good diversity and inclusion are for business. So I had to ask myself very naively, if DEI is such a moneymaker, why aren't we seeing businesses rush toward the goldmine? Instead, the corporate world has been making only sluggish progress toward more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplaces. So I asked our guests this season, is the business case a myth? Our first learning was that no. The business case is not a myth, and our guests unanimously agreed to say that it is very well real. However, the mainstream studies that made this so-called business case so popular have misled us in thinking that there is a one-size-fits-all business case. The business case isn't as straightforward as we've been led to believe. The correlation between diversity in the workplace and business performance isn't as simple as it seems. And that's the hard part, moving away from a generic business case and defining why DEI matters to your organization, building your own business case for it. In other words, if you're going to sell DEI as good for business, you need to verify the theory in practice in your company. Our guests told us the specific business cases for each of their companies, and that was way more convincing than a generic study on why diversity matters. You can tune in to our episode with Dr. Jonathan Ashung-Lamte to dig deeper into this. So if the ROI is verified, why aren't we making faster progress? First, because it takes time and effort to define the business case, and not everyone has been doing the job. Second, 
the overarching business case you build for your company won't convince everyone in the company. It'll only be of interest for those that actually care about the overall performance of your business. That's to say, a very small handful of leaders at the top of the ladder. And that's not enough buy-in if you want results for diversity and inclusion. Most employees don't care about overall company performance in their day-to-day job. But for DEI to work, you need approval of the masses. And just like a one-size-fits-all business case doesn't exist, you need to adapt your company's business case for DEI internally as well for it to convince different business units and functions across the firm. For example, Eric Way told us how he was tasked with finding the right arguments to gather the engagement of engineers at Schindler for DEI. And you can be sure that Prambel Concola is not serving the same platter to cast members at Disneyland. So once you've got your business case and that you're articulating it through the right rhetoric, are you set for success? Our guests say no. A strong business case will only bring you halfway. No matter how well you frame it for everyone in the company, it might not get you very far in terms of gathering everyone's attention. Luisa Boareto from Dao reminded us that human mind is comprised of both a rational and an irrational side. While the business arguments may convince our rational mind, our biases still remain, and KPIs, graphs, and performance indicators won't change the company culture. No matter how much we make it about business, DEI is not a business-as-usual issue. It's political, it's uncomfortable, it's disruptive. This has been especially true these last few years since the murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movements calling out companies on their inaction for racial justice. Businesses are being held accountable for their actions, and whether we like it or not, companies are not only here to do business anymore, they are social agents. Amelia Hauks told us how the United Nations Social Development Goals tie in to the business case for DEI, and Alvin Tremoulet explained how corporate activism translates in Pfizer's DEI strategy. Understanding and promoting this moral or value case for DEI is therefore key to transforming culture and driving inclusive workplaces in addition to the business case. Today, this social justice case is part of why DEI matters in business as well. Finally, one last main takeaway from this season is to not expect too much from the business case. Establishing a strong case for DEI comprised of both business indicators and social imperatives will not guarantee results for a more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workplace. That's what we gathered from our speakers. The business case is simply not a magic wand. Once you've built the case for DEI, you've made it a business matter and therefore a problem to solve. But that's only the first step. In fact, if DEI truly matters for business, then why aren't we seeing the results? A recent survey published last month by the Financial Times and Ipsos Mori shows that the majority of UK workers are not satisfied with the progress that has been made on racial diversity and inclusivity at work since May 2020. And that's despite the literature on the business case that says that it's the smart thing to do. That's also despite the fact that swaths of businesses made public pledges to take action to tackle racism and diversity problems in the workplace in the wake of the global protests over the murder of George Floyd in 2020, because, as they put it, it's also the quote-unquote right thing to do. 
According to the survey, there is an overwhelming feeling among employees in the UK that companies are ticking a box and their commitment to racial justice is only skin deep. This opinion is likely also held by employees across the globe and shared by other minorities in the workplace. Business is doing too little, too slow. Joan Williams is a professor at the University of California, Hastings College of the Law, and director of the Center for Work-Life Law, a research and advocacy organization that seeks to advance gender and racial equity in the workplace. She says, and I quote, If your company had a problem with sales, you wouldn't hold a deep, sincere conversation about how much everybody values sales and then move on. You would gather metrics to pinpoint where the sales system is breaking down, and then you would use evidence-based strategies to redesign the system. That's the model people should use in the context of diversity and inclusion as well. And that's exactly what we'll tackle in our next season. How do you get the results? We'll ask ourselves, how do you build accountability? What are the most efficient ways to drive change and fast? What are the programs that work? And what are those that don't? Like always, we'll gather answers from a panel of experts that will speak from experience and evidence-based research. If you're looking for results, you need metrics to assess how diverse, equitable, and inclusive your organization actually is. That's why, this season, we partnered with Mixity.co, the first digital HR solution for assessing, managing, and promoting diversity and inclusion in businesses of all lines and sizes. They offer international assessment frameworks to audit your HR practices and data and deliver a 360-degree view of your diversity and inclusion footprint on five dimensions. Gender equality, sexual orientation and gender identity, disability, cultural and social origins, and age. This assessment then serves as a starting point to develop the right KPIs and strategy, as well as a benchmark to measure the progress over time. You can find out more by clicking the link in the show notes. This season wouldn't have been possible without Mixity.co's support, and for that we're truly grateful. We're also extremely proud to be partnering with such an innovative tool helping organizations around the globe take their DEI strategy to the next level. Finally, we would like to extend a big thank you to our audience for tuning in every week and spreading the word around them. The more attentive ears we get, the bigger change we can hope to see. So make sure to subscribe to not miss out on our next season. And don't hesitate to give us a review or send us your feedback. It really helps us grow. Until next time, remember that only by joining the conversation will you start driving the change.